Good morning and welcome to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. I am your editor, Bryce. And I'm your host, Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys about the disappearance of Kristen Smart. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. I do first off want to just let you guys know that the majority of this information regarding who Kristen was is going to come from a website called kristensmart.org. And this is a page that is ran by her parents. So it seems to be the most accurate thing that is out there. This page is going to come into play a couple different times throughout this episode. So if you guys want to check that page out, I will go into more details about that later. Kristen was born as the first child in this family, and she was born in Augsburg, Germany. Her mom and dad were there teaching children of military personnel, and so that was where she had been born, but she ended up growing up in California. So just for some context, um, around what time frame was this taking place, or when was she born? So Kristen was born in February of 1977. I don't know the exact year that she moved to California, though, but California was pretty much her hometown from here on out. She was described as somebody who had a smile that would light up the room, and she was just a very loving person. She did have a younger brother and a younger sister, and they both really looked up to her, and she was a big fan of them, loved hanging out with them. She was somebody who loved her family, loved to go on family vacations, loved adventures, and was a big planner into these adventures that she was going to go on. Her favorite time of year was summer, and she spent her summers doing all kinds of things that she loved. So she spent the summer of her sophomore year of high school with family friends in London. The following summer, she decided she was going to become fluent in Spanish, and so she ended up becoming an exchange student in Venezuela. Then the summer before her senior year, she was involved in the honors program at UCSB. And then the summer of 1995, so right after she graduated from Lincoln High School, she worked what she called her quote-unquote dream job. So this summer, she was a lifeguard and a camp counselor in Hawaii at Camp Mokalea. So as you can tell, she did a lot of traveling. She did love adventures. She was constantly doing new things. In the fall of 1995, Kristen Smart started attending college at California Polytechnic State University, which is better known as Cal Poly. Kristen was really not a fan of college. She was struggling just overall with the whole thing. So in May of 1996, she was finishing up her freshman year at college, and she was really, really excited to kind of be done with college for a couple months. Her younger sister, Lindsay, apparently said that their mom is the one that urged Kristen to go there. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. That's just something that I found on one of the many sites that I went to. Friday, May 24th, 1996 was the start of Memorial Day weekend. And most of the students that were on campus had already left town, had headed home. But Kristen had decided that she was going to stay on campus. And so had a girl named Margarita Campos who lived in the same hall as Kristen. They had become pretty close friends throughout the year. So that night, Kristen had been invited to a party that was off campus in San Luis Obispo, California. And 
she walked to this party and hung out for a while, but around 2 a.m., she did leave the party and go head home. Her friends all say that she was sober when she left the party and she was sober on her walk home. When she left, she was accompanied by a man named Paul Flores, who was another student at Cal Poly. Unfortunately, that is the last known sighting of Kristen. She was not seen or heard from again by any of her friends or family. So immediately, Paul's a pretty obvious suspect. Can't really think of anyone else. Nobody else is really jumping out to me as someone that might potentially be involved, but um, I'm sure there's some more information to be revealed. Not a whole lot. So on May 28th, a missing persons report was filed with campus police. And then pretty shortly after her disappearance, after she'd been reported missing, they started searching for her. That was just the next step. They had horseback searches that they were doing. They had helicopters that were searching the area. They had police and cadaver dogs all searching the campus and the surrounding areas. But like you said, Bryce, Paul Flores is looking a little suspicious already. And that's exactly where the police's head went. They immediately were like, we need to investigate this man. He was identified as a person of interest pretty quickly into the case. Now, as we've discussed before, a person of interest does not necessarily mean that they're looking at you because you're the one that committed the crime. They could simply just be looking at you because they believe you have some sort of knowledge about what happened. And because he was the last person to see her alive, he pretty quickly was person of interest. When they searched her dorm room, they found her wallet and some reminders to turn assignments, but nothing really looked out of place or seemed to be missing. Police also had brought in cadaver dogs to search the campus and the different dorm halls. When they brought them in to search, their job was to search for the smell of human remains. Once they got into the building, they immediately went down the hall and to the room of none other than 19-year-old Paul Flores. They supposedly reacted to a garbage can, a telephone, and the corner of a mattress in his room, which would be a sign that possibly something had gone wrong in his room. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Paul pretty quickly lawyered up and just started pleading the Fifth Amendment. He really did not want to talk. He did not want to come forward. And he wasn't really interested in being interviewed about anything. Family and friends and community members all got together and there were hundreds of missing person posters and billboards and flyers and all this stuff offering rewards that were all over in the area. Pretty quickly into the investigation, in 1997, her family ended up filing a $40 million wrongful death lawsuit against Paul Flores, but he was not charged in the case. And once again, he pled the fifth and refused to talk and answer any sort of questions. Despite hundreds and thousands of searches, Kristen was declared legally dead in 2002 by her family. 
at that point they believed that whatever had happened to Kristen, she was no longer alive because if she was, she would be home. They did bring cadaver dogs again to campus trying to detect any sort of human decomposition. This happened multiple times. They also had earth movers carve into the soil in the nearby area in 2016 to see if they could find any sort of remains or evidence. But once again, that that was a dead end. With all the investigating and everything that they had done looking into Kristen's disappearance, they executed 18 search warrants submitted 37 items that were collected early on in the case for DNA testing. They recovered 140 new items of evidence and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020. So it's pretty obvious, I think, that the police were doing what they can. They had officers working on this, trying to find what had happened to Kristen, trying to close the case and get some answers for the family. Police ended up announcing that Paul Flores was a prime suspect in the case. He was no longer just a person of interest. They did end up collecting two trucks that had belonged to people in Paul's family in 1996. They collected those and brought them in for evidence because they believed that they could have had something to do with the disappearance. What was their prime motivation for making him above just a person of interest then if they're still just collecting stuff? Nothing's really incriminating him yet, is it? I think the fact that the cadaver dogs reacted to his room and directly went to his room was a big thing. He was the last person to see her alive, and he lawyered up so fast and refused to talk. Okay, so circumstantial stuff. Oh, yeah, it's all circumstantial. Yeah, that's why he's not been charged yet. So now that he's officially a suspect, the question is what happens next? In March of 2021, actually, they sent cadaver dogs once again and ground penetrating radar to the home of Ruben Flores, which is Paul's father. And that was in Ario Grande, California. And the reason they were doing this is because they had reason to believe that Kristen's body could have been buried on that property. Okay, so they pulled these trucks in for evidence. What all did they find with those? Because it must have been enough to assume that one of them that was maybe involved with the father is now reason to believe they should go check their property. At some point during their investigating into the family and their home and the trucks, they were able to find some sort of physical evidence that was related to the disappearance of Kristen Smart. And that was what led to March of 2021 this year. So they just did the ground penetrating radar and searches this year in March? Yes. Two months ago, they did this search. And what did they discover? They discovered that her body was not there. But whatever they discovered, they have not released. But they did arrest Paul Flores and Ruben Flores on April 13th, 2021, in connection to her disappearance. And they are charging Paul Flores with her murder. And they are charging his father, Ruben Flores, with being an accessory after the fact. Hmm. So they didn't directly find her body, but they found at least enough of something to charge him, or both of them, specifically to her. So it's not like, you know, maybe they just found a different body that got them charged. It's still involved with Kristen, but they didn't find her body. Yes, they had to find some sort of evidence, physical evidence, somewhere along the line that would be enough for them to go ahead with charging. It's no longer just circumstantial. So have they... Have they actually said they found something 
or have they only just said we haven't found her body? The only thing I could find is that they have not found her body. Okay. so But then, they have found evidence. Have they said in what manner that evidence was found? Was it part of the digging or was it something no. else? They have not said. I'm assuming okay. because it's so recent. We're recording this on May 10th, guys. So it hasn't even been a full month since they've been arrested. I'm assuming a lot of this isn't going to come out until the trial, which is going to be a little ways away. So definitely count on a follow-up episode for this. Absolutely. If anything else comes of this, we will for sure do an episode where we're following up. We want to keep you guys updated on our more current episodes. Do you have any thoughts on what they found? I'm wondering if they've just found something else on their property or like in their home or something that maybe was something of Kristen's, like part of her clothing or possession she had or even part of her body. And they're just laying it out there that we didn't find her body underground to at least say that. I don't know. Well, I'm going to assume whatever it was was DNA evidence because, and the reason I'm going to say that is it was stated by investigating officials that they believe her body was buried on the property, but in recent times has been moved from the property. So I think what they're believing, the trucks were brought in as evidence or brought in to be investigated in early 2020. I think that they're probably wondering if when they brought the trucks in, if dad and son kind of panicked and moved the body of Kristen at that point. And that could be anything such as blood or skin cells or who knows what. But either way, that's entirely conjecture at this point because... They really haven't released much of anything. Correct. If, In my personal opinion, what I think possibly could have happened is when they brought those trucks in to investigate them, they found DNA evidence in the truck that connected Paul and Ruben to the crime. And then they decided, okay, now we need to put everything together, get all of our ducks in a row, conduct one final search of the property, and then we'll see if we find anything else that we can take with them. And they probably saw that coming. Once the trucks were taken, they're like, they're going to find something. And that was in the meantime when they moved the body, potentially. That's, yeah, that's my opinion based on what has been released and what's been stated. Like I said, though, I I don't know um, when we're recording this. There's not anything specific that's been released saying this was found or that was found. They just say evidence. And there could very well be other theories out there. There could be even potentially family members that have ideas but the thing that we always have to go on are things that have been officially released because that makes us not part of rumors and not part of conspiracy or anything so we try to make sure that what we're putting out there we label the things that are guesses as guesses and anything else we're putting out as information we make sure is actually publicized as so so police believe that paul had taken Kristen to his dorm instead of her dorm and then attempted to rape her and ended up killing her during the attempted rape. They then believe that Reuben was called by Paul and helped hide her remains. Like I said, they do believe that it was most likely buried on Reuben's property for a while. They believe that it was possibly under his deck at one point, but it's not known where her body is now. Police said that they also have reason to believe that Paul had sexually assaulted other women as well, and not just Kristen. When they were arrested, Kristen's family did release a statement and they said, quote, We now put our faith in the justice system and move forward, comforted in the knowledge that Kristen had been held in the hearts of so many and that she has not been forgotten, end quote. 
So currently, Paul Flores is in the San Luis Obispo County Jail, and he's being held without bail. Ruben Flores was initially held on bail for $250,000, but that ended up being lowered to $50,000, and he was bailed out recently. There is a podcast that I want to talk to you guys about real quick called Your Own Backyard, and that is hosted by a man named Chris Lambert. So a lot of police kind of credit Chris for having a part in helping Kristen's case kind of be solved. He heard about this case when he was a kid, and as he got older, he decided that he really wanted to look into it, and he ended up quitting his job to make a podcast about this case and to investigate the entire thing. He went to the site of where she was last seen. He is, at one video, he had printed out and had like a binder full of every single article that had ever been released relating to Kristen. He is really diving deep into this case and he's kind of pushed police to work harder to solve it. He started the podcast in 2019 and I actually looked earlier today. It's been a couple hours, so there might be something now. But when I looked earlier today, he had not yet released an update on any of the arrests that had occurred. It's possible that he's waiting for further information to be released. But her family on the site that I told you about, KristenSmart.org, they do have a link to his podcast if you want to go check it out. One thing that we really didn't mention a whole lot or touch on, but... I told you that when she was reported missing, it was to the campus police, but they took a while before they actually contacted local law enforcement. And so there's now an act that's put in place that's called the Kristen Smart Campus Safety Act. And that came into effect in 1998. And so that requires all college campus police to contact local law enforcement agencies if there's any sort of violence against a student. So there would be no waiting around for them to kind of look into it themselves they have to contact the police one thing that i wanted to mention is at one point i don't know exactly what year this occurred but paul flores's mom and her boyfriend ended up trying to sue kristen's family in a civil lawsuit because they were experiencing emotional distress because everybody was targeting paul and reuben is that pretty common for the defense side of a case to just automatically try to countersue for the inconvenience of trying to be blamed for something? I wouldn't say it's pretty common. It's absolutely happened. But in this case, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, his mom, Paul's mom, is saying that her son is innocent. Like when they did the investigation of the property, she was just like, I don't know why you're doing this. You're not going to find anything. My son didn't do anything wrong. And so she's not really super cooperative and i think that like we've talked about before that's a really hard situation to be in is your child being charged with something like this like do you stand with your child or do you do maybe what's right i don't know that i i don't ever want to be in that situation and my heart goes out to anybody who has ever been in that situation so the other thing that is on that kristensmart.org site is the justice for kristen smart scholarship so this is a nonprofit organization that was established in 2017 that, quote, aims to empower college-bound women with interests similar to Kristen's to achieve their educational goals, end quote. So if you want to donate, they do give scholarships out to different individuals that are looking into colleges, and they are doing what they can to help with improving campus safety. 
and security. So there is a donate button on their site. Once again, kristensmart.org. If you want to go there and you want to donate or you have anybody that you know would be a donor, feel free to do so. So that is the episode about Kristen Smart. Like I said, guys, if we have an update at any point, we will release a new episode just covering that. Small updates we probably won't do, but especially once the trial comes around, that's something that we will for sure cover. And we don't really have any idea as to how long the trial might go for or how soon those things might start being unraveled. So it's hard to say when to expect any sort of update, but like Erica said, feel free to check out that website. I'm sure that will have probably most of the updates much sooner than we could ever do. So if you're if you're interested, feel free to check that out. Um, otherwise, we will post an update once we have some more information. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.